This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And welcome, welcome. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber here on Instagram, here on Pet Life Radio. Kind of a rush to get here, given the fact that I started my day at KTLA 5, doing a segment on pet safety and Halloween, and had to rush from the studio, which is in, like, deep Hollywood. For those of you who know the area, Sunset Pass Gower, where the 101 freeway hits, and I had to get back here <laughs> in about 20 minutes. I kind of made it. So, anyway, here I am live, because it, w- it would have been really tough to do it there. You know, I wouldn't have my setup, and, and anyway, not easy. But it was a fun segment, great segment, actually. And uh, just talking pets, talking Halloween, which obviously we're going to talk about here as well. But let me see um, any questions to start the morning. Oh, B, I'm glad Artie is doing better. And I'm seeing Steve here. My, my sister and brother-in-law are, are on. And, and uh, so Steve is one of the nine of us that went on that river rafting trip, the whitewater rafting trip to the Rogue River in Oregon. And we all had a blast. It was amazing, fun time. But, you know, everyone says, oh, my God, be careful, be careful, be careful. And you say, come on, <laughs> it's no big deal. Well, most of us were thrown out of the kayak at one point or another. But what was so frightening is about, I don't know, two weeks ago, uh, the, our, our circle went around email with an article at about a 46-year-old guy who sadly passed away on the Rogue River, the same river we were on, doing the same rapids, going through the same places. And all the warnings that we get, you know, when you, if you fall out, you got to get your feet up right away because you can get stuck. On a rock, you can get lodged between rocks at the bottom. And um, apparently that's what happened to this guy. And um, they couldn't get him out in time. And he couldn't. And, the, you know, the oh, God, when you're in that water, the rapids are so strong. They are literally pushing you. So the more they're pushing you forward, the more your foot, whatever, can get lodged and tightened in between those rocks. And then to have the wherewithal of trying to, you know, hold your breath, go down. You can't see anything. And um, anyway, um, it was just frightening that it was at the, the same river, that same place and only a few weeks after maybe not even a week or two after we were there next time i'm not doing the guy i'd love to do it again it was really fun we had a great time but i don't i don't have to you know, at this point in my life do i need a kayak that badly so i think i'm gonna hold back but uh, anyway it was very very sad and, and the guys on our on our group that led us also mentioned years ago there was a, a younger girl that also fell in and they, they couldn't get her out so Pretty frightening, pretty frightening, but it's not going to stop me. What causes an oral hematoma? So basically, oral, A-U-R-A-L, means ear. And so a hematoma, so basically, the ear is a flap called the pinna. And inside that, both sides, the front and back of the pinna, the inside is the hairless side. The outside has has the hair. And those two, the front and the back side, are almost glued together. There's not a lot of, you can't separate them, can't lift them. Occasionally, when a dog either has an infection, scratching very aggressively, or sometimes when it's just shaking its head and hits the ear flap, you know, you, you see slow motion, you know, those ears are flopping or back and forth, then you can hit something and you pop a blood vessel. Now, so what happens is there are many, many, many blood vessels. The ear itself is, is extremely, extremely vascular. So what happens is the blood really doesn't have a lot of place to go. So it separates, it fills up and 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 fills up. And fills up until it causes a separation between the front and back part of the ear. And there's no way to find the bleeder. So what ultimately do we drain it? We often do. And 98% of the time it's coming back. 
And I always tell owners that too. We can try draining it. Most likely the odds are against it, but it's worth a try. No downside. And so we, it, it comes back. Then we have to do a surgery. And since you can't really find the bleeder or bleeders that are supplying this blood to this hematoma, so what we need to do then is we need to completely eliminate the dead space. So we do is you do what's called mattress sutures, sewing the back to the, the front together so tightly that there's no place the blood to go. And finally, obviously, it'll clot. Now, you might ask, is it dangerous? The hematoma itself is not dangerous at all. So why not leave it alone? Ah, that's the good question. So the reason we don't leave it alone is the following. This is blood, okay? And in it is you have your blood cells, you have the plasma, and you have fibrin. Fibrin is the meshwork for clotting. And there's no predicting how or where this fibrin is going to settle. So yes, ultimately, the blood will resorb. The blood cells are going to die. The plasma is going to resorb. What's left is fibrin. And if you've ever seen a wrestler, right, with it, what they call cauliflower ear, and they're the ugliest ears on the planet, okay? And that's why now all wrestlers wear those ear things, you know, those, those covers to protect their ears because they get pulled, they get all sorts of different things, and then they bleed inside and fight. It's the same thing. So what we do is that because we can't predict, and I've seen some cases where the ear is contorted, it looks terrible, and it gets super thick, and, and there's no predicting, right over the opening. And now you have occlusion. And you cannot get through down into the ear canal. You have a dark, moist area, perfect for bacteria, perfect for yeast. And you're going to have chronic, chronic problems. So unfortunately, leaving it alone is not the best choice. Now, if the hematoma is only at the way tip of the ear, then regardless of where, how, where the fibers, if you don't mind a funnier looking ear, maybe a little twisted, then that's okay. But if it's the entire canal, the entire pinup, you do not want to take a chance. You definitely need to fix it. So I hope that answers your question. And let's see, a little waving. Hello, Jill. I was at the studio. That's why I couldn't do my our call this morning. All right. But 15-and-a-half-year-old Jack Russell Terry got diagnosed on Thursday with vestibular disease. Lost to balance at the hospital every day on a cure center for four days. Okay. I love this one. Uh, idiopathic vestibular disease. It just happens. Usually it's older dogs. And I remember getting a call from a, a client of mine. This is years ago. I was at a conference in Orlando, the veterinary uh, North American Vet Conference, now called VMX. I'll be going this January again. And I get a call from this guy. And I mean, he's not just any client. He's a client, of course. But he also happened to be one of the top people at CAA. So a pretty powerful man in Hollywood. And he tells me that he lost his dog. That's who he said. We lost Norman. I go, what do you mean lost? He goes, well, he's here. But he's, he's not here. He is. He's glued to the ground, okay? He cannot get up. Every time he gets up, he falls over. He tries to get up. He, does, he doesn't want to move. And I said, hmm. And Norman was a Labrador. So I said, hmm. to me right away, that's on my list. Sudden onset, they all of a sudden just are, it looks like they're glued to the ground. They can't get up. The heads, they're twisted. Their head's turning. So I said, do me a favor. Grab him by the ears. Look him dead in the face, dead in the eyes. Tell me what his eyes are doing. And he said, well, God, they're flickering back and forth. Ah, there's my answer. We call that nystagmus. And when you have an acute sudden onset of this behavior, this vestibular unbalanced, imbalance, ataxia, meaning wobbly, looks like they're drunk and their eyes are flickering back and forth, that is diagnostic for IBD, idiopathic vestibular disease. And unfortunately, there's no treatment really. You can use serenia, which is an anti-vomiting. You can, you can use like, anti-nausea too, because they get, they get, some can get nauseous because their heads are spinning. 
You can use bonine, meclizine, like a travel sickness medication. Some people try steroids to decrease inflammation. If there is any, we don't know. Bottom line is it goes away. So here I am, 3,000 miles away, telling one of the most powerful guys in Hollywood, leave it alone. Don't worry. I didn't send it to emergency. This is before we had video. I mean, I was, I was on a cell phone, yes, but we didn't have all these fancy things. I didn't have air vent. I couldn't talk to him and see the dog. People thought I was nuts, but I'm not nuts. I mean, there's certain things you just know. And sure enough, in a few days, he was doing just fine. So, uh, but anyways, it was funny. But so if it, it impact vestibular disease, not to worry. Well, let's put it this way. It looks way worse than it is. And it usually goes away. If by four or five days, it doesn't go away, then of course, yes, should be seen. But if that is the only problem and it came on suddenly, just look at the eyes, stare at them. And if they're going a fast, a fast component, slow component, so fast, slow, fast, slow, fast, slow, then that's what it is. So uh, anyway, you can reach me, as you know, you can reach me anytime. Let me know uh, what, what, uh, what she's doing, but I'm not that worried. All right, let me see. I was on that discussion. Let me see if I got any other questions. A lot of highs. Hello, everybody. Good, good, good. So we did hematoma. Great. So what I want to do now is we are going to talk about Halloween. And I actually brought my, my goodie bag of tricks. Okay, not tricks, but this is my, I took a Halloween gift basket bag. And just to, to go over some things that, you know, should everybody should know about. But let's talk, obviously, the first thing that everybody talks about are the candies and the chocolate. And uh, do I think chocolate's a bit overrated? Yes. When I get a call from that 80-pound German Shepherd that ate a Hershey's Kiss, I'm not too worried. But there are potential dangers. Usually the darker the chocolate, the more pure the chocolate, the more dangerous it is. And matter of fact, pure 100% cocoa powder is probably one of the most. Then you have Baker's chocolate, which is that dark, unsweetened chocolate. That's pretty bad. So what there, you should do is just in general, this is a good thing to have on your list of you know, websites. There is, you just put in, do a search for chocolate toxicity in dogs. And there's like a choco meter. And it basically tells you the type of chocolate and how much dogs have to eat per weight. So it literally goes five to 10 pounds. It gives you the weight. It gives you the type of chocolate. And you can predict, you can actually figure out how many ounces of the chocolate are going to be dangerous. Now, if you have a problem, if you're not sure, well, obviously going to emergency and you get to wait several hours, you get to spend $1,000, which is okay if you want. You can go to AirVet, talk to one of our veterinarians on AirVet, but you can also just do this thing. And, and here's my solution. And it's the only home remedy. And by the way, only for dogs, you cannot do this in a cat. There is no home remedy for inducing vomiting in a cat. Good news is cats usually won't eat chocolate, but dogs love it. And um, so you take hydrogen peroxide. It should be somewhat fresh. I mean, it doesn't have to be like you just bought it yesterday, but look at the label. If it shows that it's past its due date, it's been sitting in your cabinet for five years, it's probably not good. But if it's within a year, two years, you're, it's going to be fine. And you want to give orally one ml, a milliliter per pound of body weight to put it into easy measurements. It's a teaspoon for every five pounds of dog, a teaspoon, which is five ml for every five pounds of dog, 15 pounds, a tablespoon, that's 15, three teaspoons equals a tablespoon. I'm sure those of you that do baking and cooking know that uh, an ounce typically is 30 ml. So if your dog is 30 pounds, you can do an ounce of hydrogen peroxide. You give it to them in the corner of their mouth. Don't shove it down so they inhale it. You want it, they got to swallow it. And within a minute, few minutes, they should vomit. You can repeat it once and only once. If they don't vomit after the second time, then it's time to, to see that veterinarian. It is effective. Now, there's another home remedy out there using salt water. It is not acceptable. Most of us do not like it. There are other problems with that. 
Therefore, we do not like having salt. That's why there are certain dogs that have problems. If they do so much swimming in an ocean and they drink too much water, they can get brain swelling. There are, there are things you've got to be really careful. We do not recommend doing the uh, salt water. But the, um, the hydrogen peroxide is fine. Okay, in addition to the chocolate, and here's some, some, two of my favorite I got. Can you see it? Of course, you got Baby Ruth. And we got Snickers. Oh, my God. I love them both. If you have any leftover and you're afraid your dogs might get hold of them, the simplest thing to do is just send them to me. They will be well taken care of, well eaten, and uh, <laughs> I, I'm a talkaholic. Now, but I do worry more about things like this, okay? These are gums, sugarless gums, sugarless candies that have xylitol. In fact, I was looking at this one here, all right, and the first ingredient of these. The first ingredient, xylitol. Here, gum, sugarless gum. The second ingredient, xylitol. This is dangerous stuff, and it is a potential killer and if you also understand that there is a product out there that has a different name and you think it's so natural, it's called bark sugar. Well, I, what could be bad? Bark should come from bark of a tree. That's natural. No, that's xylitol. So I, I'm so pissed that they, they name it bark sugar. It really you know, it makes me angry as hell. Oh, one last thing about the candies. And I brought a sample here. And that is things like this lollipops. They're going to eat the wrapper. They're going to eat the stick. They're not choosy. They can't open it. They can't unwrap it. They pick up the smell with their amazing noses, and they're going to eat the whole thing. So, again, you need to be really, really careful. Next up, you have you know kids coming in. The doorbell's ringing every few minutes. Dogs are going to get hyped up. Make sure you have dogs that are okay with it. Make sure they don't try to bolt, because if they bolt or they get scared because the doors opens and these strange-looking creatures are at your door, they just want their candy. They don't give a darn about your dog, but your dog sees them and pat, freaks out because they're so funny looking. They don't know. They, they, they sound like people. They smell like people, but they don't look like people. And so that's, that's potentially dangerous. So make sure they're wearing their collars, their leashes, ID tags, etc. Home decorations, of course, if you have any kind of flame in a jack-o'-lantern, in a pumpkin or a candle, right? Or you, you have you know, uh, decorative lights, be careful. So I brought my little electric cord because you got to be careful of that as well because again they they are very dangerous potentially and animals cats can bite into them dogs can bite into them so i i'm just i i'm always fearful if you have a dog that freaks out and you know they freak out put them in a different room put them in a safe room maybe you can get some some natural calming you can get either some well i prefer the natural calming formulas this is one of mine uh and this is just called and you get the name the name is chill because it's a it's a great supplement you can get it on my website, and uh, it is valerian, passionflower, chamomile, melatonin, all these really natural, calming substances, no CBD, and it works extremely well. And if they're really, really bad, then comes the drugs. And there's things like acepromazine, trazodone, talk to your veterinarian, and there's some things that you can give your dogs. It's almost like when you're going to travel with them, you need to, or any holiday coming up, you know, obviously Thanksgiving's around the corner. A lot of people are going to come over. There's going to be commotion. There's going to be decoration. There's going to be candles. There's going to be chocolate, nuts, raisins all these things. So again, we need to be very careful. And last but not least, before we go on our break, costumes. Now, again, if you're going to take your pets with you trick-or-treating, understand one thing. Look, if you have good dogs, they love going out. If they love kids. It's great. These aren't regular kids. These are kids that are dressed up like who knows what. And again, the, to a dog, they, it, and it's when do you trick-or-treat? You trick in the middle of the day or you trick-or-treat at night after it's dark? So usually it's dusk. It's getting to the point where where um, the, the the sun is is just is going down, and by the time they're done, it's usually dark. The stars are out. So 
again, it's pretty frightening out there for a dog who sees these groups of kids approaching from listening. They hear sounds that, that sound like people. They recognize human voices, but they don't look like humans. And that is the problem. So even the nicest, sweetest dog, if one of these kids tries to bend down and pet your cute little dog and your cute little dog that's usually so friendly with kids takes a bite, it's potentially a problem. Now, how about the dogs? How about addressing your pets in costume? Again, do I love it? No. But I mean, it depends on the costume. You can't, it can't be restrictive. It, you know, a lot of times when you put things on dogs, even things like a, like a sweater, it, it bugs the crap out of them. You don't want to do that. So test it first at home before you take them with you and just make sure they're comfortable. Make sure it's not too tight under the, under the front legs. Make sure it's not too tight around the neck. You don't want to restrict their vision. Remember, of all the senses, you know, the, the hearing, the smelling, the, the, the taste, the one of their weakest is their vision. Now you're going to put something over their heads that is going to impede their vision. That's going to make it even worse. So again, it's, a, it's very important to test it first. Make sure that they're okay with it. If they're okay with it, take them out for a little walk with, before this. I mean, do it tonight. Do it tomorrow with the, uh, the, the costume and see how they do. If you're embarrassed, have you seen in this costume and it's not even Halloween yet, do it in your backyard. Or maybe don't dress them up at all. But that's another story. That's another story. Look, Halloween's meant to be a really fun time. Kids really like it. And uh, as I said, leftover candies, I'll give you a Dr. Jeff at Dr. Jeff or Jeff at airbet.com. Um, I'll give you my address. Very easy to get to me. But anyway, just have fun. So we have lots more to talk about. I want more questions. So um, while we are going on our quick break, then a word from our sponsors. Let's see. No chocolate at all. That's probably the safest. Um, then I'll um, wait for your questions. When we come back, we will talk about some of your stuff. All right. Very good. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a few bite out of your competition advertise your business with an ad in pet life radio podcasts and radio shows there is no other pet related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than pet life radio with over 7 million monthly listeners pet life radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms and our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, odyssey Tune in and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> We are back live here on Pet Life Radio. Just had to unmute myself because during the break, I, I cannot shut up. So I had to talk to somebody. So I talked to Instagram. So there was a question while we were gone about tests for cancer for dogs. And uh, the answer is yes, there are. There's the Oncocanine. There's another one. I don't remember the name. I'm going to find out. And it is used to detect mast cell tumor with high accuracy. And so it's a great screening test to see if, yes, in fact, uh, your, the dog does have mast cell disease. And that is a very, very, very common cancer that we see in dogs. Oh, so talk about cool new technology within veterinary medicine. This is a new, it's a, it's a monoclonal antibody for parvo. So basically it's the same thing that they've been using testing in COVID is they're giving a, a specific antibody for COVID and um, is, it's available. It basically, it, um, the, the, through all the studies and it just got FDA approval, as they say, it can shorten the duration 
and greatly increase survival in clinical testing of parvovirus. And you know, what happens is four-year-old box that isn't neutered, is it too late for surgery? Absolutely not. So it's never too late to neuter. In fact, a lot of legitimate breeders, what they will do is after their breeding age of the dog, whether it's a female or a male, first thing they'll do is spay or neuter. Because why, why risk it? We know there are certain problems, um, except maybe for the golden retriever, we've talked about that before, that there seem to be more issues as dogs get older with certain cancers that could be preventable through neutering. So, and for dog, male dogs, prostatitis, not a cancer, but it is very linked to testosterone. So my feeling is if you have a dog and let's say all breeds, except maybe asterisk, the golden retriever, we'll get into that another time. And you are not using this dog for breeding and it's just a pet household family dog, then absolutely you want to spay neuter. Now, what has changed over the years is that we are now neutering later. The larger the dog, the longer we wait. Um, the large breeds are known as older dogs to get bone cancer, osteosarcoma. And their studies have shown that there's a greater incidence in these breeds, these dogs getting osteosarcoma as an older dog when they're seven, eight, nine, 10 years old of age, if they were pre-pubertally neutered, meaning neutered before they were fully sexually mature. And since large breeds mature later than their small breed counterparts, then I'd like to wait at least a year. In fact, most dogs now I wait a year if I can. Small breed, twist my arm, nine, 10 months, okay. You know, the problem is that we battle with some of these rescues. We want you to rescue dogs, but the rescues, they are supposedly under a guidance from their local animal authorities, animal authorities, as far as the Department of Animal Regulation, the city ordinances that they have to, they can't adopt them out until they are fully neutered or spayed. So what happens is, what do you do? You have a dog at six months. So I'll tell you what they do. And it's a little secret. So you can't share it. So <laughs> if you tell, as they say, I got to kill you, but no. So they're not giving the dog yet. They don't sign the adoption papers. And that family is just fostering the dog. It's a foster. And then, oh my God, when a dog hits nine months, it becomes a foster failure. And the first thing they have to do now before they let the owner have it for real is, is neuter. So you got to get around it. I don't like doing, and pre, pre five or six months, not at all. That'll battle. Why? Because the smaller breeds, again, this is usually where it comes into play, are uh, commonly will have something called retained deciduous teeth. They're going to have baby teeth that need to be pulled. They haven't fallen out on their own. So the adult tooth comes in and the baby holds its ground. And now you have double teeth, two teeth coming out of the same socket in the gums. You got to pull those babies or you're going to have malocclusion. You're going to have crooked teeth. You're going to have some orthodontic problems. So those, I don't like to anesthetize them twice. Now, if you have a very young dog at four or five months and you already see some problems, terrible mouth crowding, you already see the adult tooth and you know, being malpositioned, then yes, we're not going to knock them out really quickly, pull those teeth, but I'm still not going to do it. And then wait until they're a little older and uh, wait closer to a year of age and then neuter. So, you know, there's a lot to discuss. Large breeds, however, I am, I mean, I will, I write letters. It is almost dangerous to neuter them at least before a year. And I said, the bigger the breed for like giant breeds, you know, the Newfies, the Great Pyrenees, the, the huge Mastiffs, I'll wait until they're two before neutering. But a boxer, never too late for surgery. I, I mean, I shouldn't say that. You have a dog that's 17 years old and, um, and he made it this far and he's not in great shape and you're going to anesthetize him to, and to neuter him. Then I don't know if that's such a good idea. But we're talking normal circumstances and that would be fine. Okay, ah. 
Pug is 12 and a half years old and has mast cell tumor and surgery. Also, biopsies done for the liver, spleen, other things, and things, and it came back good. Her tumor was a high grade. She is on any of Ah, okay. Now, for this dog, it was a high grade mast cell, and they did staging. That's where they take samples of liver and spleen, and there are no, there's no evidence at this time. We still have a very guarded prognosis. However, if this were my patient, it's a pug, uh, doesn't say, oh, her. I would have her on Palladia, P-A-L-L-A-D-I-A. Talk to your veterinarian about Palladia. It is a phenomenal drug. Unfortunately, along with phenomenal, is a very expensive drug, but man, it is worth it. So again, I had a 15-year-old Labrador. I did surgery to remove a humongous mass, I'll try to remove, I couldn't even remove it all, mass cell tumor. It was a grade three. He stayed fine. It was not yet in his liver, not yet in his spleen. We put him on Palladium. 15 years old, Labrador. I mean, first of all, how amazing is having a 15-year-old lab? And was I nuts to knock out a 15-year-old dog for a two-hour procedure to cut away as much as I could this disgusting, ugly, bleeding tumor? Of course I was. But his bloods came back fine. I had no choice. I'm not going to put him to sleep without trying. So we did the surgery. And it came back. Grade three, mass cell and put him on Palladia after he healed. We had a drain in first because it was extensive surgery. Took the sutures out. He healed really well. He tolerated the anesthesia really well. And went ahead and put him on Palladia. Well, he not only made it to 15 and a half, not only till 16, he made it to 16 and a half. And it wasn't even the mast cell that got him at 16 and a half. So 12 and a half to me means nothing, especially in a pug. And uh, I would 100% uh, talk to your veterinarian but about Palladia, and it is the most amazing drug for these mast cell sarcomas. In fact, in fact, I just had a case of a splenic sarcoma. They couldn't really identify whether it's a mangio or you know, what type of a spindle cell, but it was a sarcoma. And I did a consult with an oncolo- veterinary oncologist, and guess what? She says Palladia. So I'm, I've already talked to the owner. We're going to start Palladia. So anyway, this is, it's really the best way to go. I um, hope that answers your question. Now I'm looking for the Question, Martino, about the chicken. She can't get down her anti-acid. Any, boy, you can try to get some, something in a liquid form or have it compounded, all right? You know, a lot of times we put these dogs on steroids. We put them on, on, on an antacid. So you can get Prilosec compounded into a liquid, and then you can stick it into a liquid. Or, you know, the pills are so small. If she's eating otherwise, just hide it in food. One thing that I have done that, that kind of works well the little treats that look kind of like cheese puffs, but it's corn puffs called Bamba. And you can get them at Trader Joe's. And you can take the little teeny pill and you, the top of the Bamba is a little soft and you just push the pill inside the Bamba, right? Then give a few Bambas without anything. And if she eats them and seems to like it, just give that third Bamba or fourth one, give it with the pill inside. And she'll eat it so fast, she won't even know she had the pill. And then the chicken, let's go to New York Yankee. Mr. Chicken question, let me see. Okay, Serenia for four days, want her back on hydrolyzed chicken, dog food, and she boiled chicken that she loves eating with it. Oh, yes. As long as there's no chicken allergy, 100%, 100%, whatever. The only time we stop anything chicken or chicken byproducts or, or, or chicken meal is when you have a dog, like a, a lot of Frenchies, that are, have known allergies to chicken. But if, if there's no known allergy, whether it's hydrolyzed chicken, unless they really suspected, even if you suspected a food allergy, you still don't necessarily want it, even if it's hydrolyzed protein. If there were um, symptoms on regular chicken and those symptoms are not seen when you do hydrolyzed chicken, then of course stick with hydrolyzed. But if after feeding regular chicken, it doesn't really affect much at all as far as the GI tract, the gastrointestinal tract, 
or skin from scratching allergy, then by all means, go ahead and do it. Multivitamins, of course, I'm a big fan. I take multivitamins every day and I'm a very big fan. All right. Anyway, I think that's all we have time for. I'm getting dirty looks from Mark, my producer. He wants to get out. And uh, I will think, uh, Mark, are you going to VMX at all? You don't know yet. So, uh, well, if you are, I'll be there, of course. So you, it's not that far for you being in Florida. But uh, all right. And I think that's it for now. If you have anything that I didn't get to, any questions you may have, you know, can always reach me here on Instagram or on Pet Life Radio. Easy, easy email, Jeff at PetLifeRadio.com or Instagram, Werbs underscore DVM. Or if you just put it Jeff Werber, it'll pop up anyway. All right. Have a wonderful, safe Halloween. Again, leftover candies. I'm right here, right here in L.A. Please don't, don't be bashful. And, uh, and I, I should eat them. I just like them too much. The reason why I don't eat them so much, I don't buy them. I just don't. It's like ice cream. If I have ice cream in the freezer, it's getting eat. If I don't have ice cream, I can't eat it. I'm not going to go out and buy it. So anyway, that's my secret. Okay. I think that's it. So any other issues, questions you have, just send me during the week. Otherwise, uh, next week, here, same bad time, same bad channel, here on Pet Life Radio, here on Instagram Live. Looking forward. Have a good week. And safe Halloween. Have fun. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.